Good evening and welcome to Progressively that's Horrified. Not, I steal your line every no. single time. I don't know how you don't, you don't clap. <laughs> you don't clap. You don't need a clap when you have a voice like this. No, you don't. Yeah, this is true. I'm with Alicia here. Good evening and welcome to Progressively. How did you not see that coming? Yet again. I knew you were going to do it. Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified. The show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. It's scary movie month, so we're doing something a little bit different this month. We're revisiting the first movies from some of the classic slasher franchises, and we're bringing a whole party of our friends along to talk it out. Our first stop on this trail of terror is the original 1978 slasher, Halloween. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First, sitting directly to my right, editor, educator, and my wife, Alicia Whitley. Hi, Alicia. Hi, Jeremy. It's good. (laughs) Next, my co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? listening to a lot of that halloween theme song because it's great yes and uh next up my freaking collaborator comics artist and certified vampire aficionado emily martin how are you tonight emily um also appreciating how much traction mr carpenter got out of those whining synths not droning this time different end of the scale (laughs) synths and piano and that's made a whole soundtrack out of that he got it in there um and like I said, I have a whole party of past guests and friends tonight. First up, uh, you last heard him in our episode about Get Out, writer and educator, Emmanuel Lipscomb. How are you, Emmanuel? Doing well. Happy to be here. Hey. Uh, next, you last heard her talking about Hard Candy, comics and video game writer, Katie Schenkel. Welcome back, Katie. Hi. Nice to be here. I'm just really freaked out because time is a flat circle, so... That's where I am today. (laughs) And one of our regulars and our good friend, photographer, Allie Mullen. Good to see you, Allie. Hey, Jeremy. So October 1 marks day one of Allie's 31 Days of Halloween. You can check that out. on All right. Go check that out on Instagram. What's that Instagram handle, Allie? At Allie Mullen. All right. And next, comic and movie critic and part of the Talking Comics podcast, Bob Ryer. How are you tonight, Bob? Well, the evil is gone, right? Hi, how are you doing, Jeremy? <laughs> yes, definitely. In your professional gone. opinion, definitely won't be back. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah well, um, yeah, sort of. He's still one evil is still hanging around somewhere in Florida, but we're not going to talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a good plan. Last time we yeah. did it was a very long podcast. <laughs> oh God! Uh, last but not least, we're psyched to have the director of one of our favorite films, Bit, Brad Michael Elmore. How are you tonight, Brad? I'm great, man. I'm great. Happy to be here. Stoked. We are all happy to have you, and we're happy to have the whole party here tonight. We are talking about Halloween, which, as uh, as most of you will know, is directed by John Carpenter. It's written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, and it stars Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, introducing Jamie Lee Curtis, Donald Pleasance, Tony Moran, and uh, a, a ton of other folks who will show up in all sorts of other horror stuff for years to come. And the, the IMDb description of this says, 15 years after murdering his sister on Halloween night in 1963, Michael Myers escapes from the mental hospital and returns to the small town of Haddonfield, Illinois, 
to kill again. Yeah. For once, I have no issues with the IMDb description. (laughs) I think it may be the first time, but good job, IMDb description. You accurately described a movie. I mean, it left out a huge amount of plot. Yeah. They left all the parts where he stands behind bushes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's most of the movie. I, right? I also feel like would... Pleasant actually says that in that exact like phrasing where he was like, this happened 15 years ago today. Like, I don't know. I think it's very easy for them to transcribe just based off the dialogue. From the movie. That, that would right. have been a, an interesting description of like Michael Myers killed his sister. And now 15 years later, he's back to stand behind bushes <laughs> and, eat, and eat dog food. He never got to <laughs> trick or treat that night. So he's come back to finish the job. To trick or treat. Oh, wait. Yeah. That's why he was mad? I yes. assume. Someone gave him say gave him an apple instead of candy and he got very upset. <laughs> yeah. Or his or his horrible sister didn't go trick-or-treating with him, I assume, because women are always the problem. I, I mean, so if we go by Dr. Loomis, the world's most compassionate doctor's diagnosis, he came down with a case of the evils. Yeah, we need to talk about this. Oh yeah. Is that where we want to start? We want to start talking about Dr. Loomis? Oh, I was going to talk about how bad his sister, that she Mm -hmm. was getting it on with her boyfriends, not only over in about 30 seconds. The quickest quickie in the history of movies, yeah. He was already dressed out the door while she was brushing her hair still topless. Oh, yeah. Literally the movie when Bobby lasts all of 12 seconds and then Linda's like, fantastic. Mm, Press X to doubt. And they always have the lights off. Like, Mike, little, little baby Mike is in the yard and he looks up, sees them go upstairs to her bedroom where the light is on and nobody is there. So that's way first of all. And then they turn the light off and that's your clue that something is happening. Sad, sad so, experience. There's a lot of sad experiences here. Um, yeah, I think some of these characters die longer than they fuck, <laughs> which yeah. is... Uh, it's also, I don't know. It really applies to a lot of people, though, right? Like, <laughs> I think it's also it applies to all of us when you really think about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so used to movies where the woman is not enthusiastically consenting necessarily. So the fact that like all of the women who have sex in this movie are actually like into Very it as much morning. as they like, yeah. and they seem to like their partner and it like it would pro- even though it's very short apparently it's at least seems like uh you know a good cup and then they die and it's like oh that's that's great i that's wanted good. to see annie get some like for her sake oh my god that that's was after her song i mean please you know right. she should at Did least get like the, the coda this established like the final girl thing where like if you if you can just abstain you'll survive because like, it seems so, well, yeah, but- I feel like this movie with the final girl like Lori is the final girl not through trickery or wits or will she is the final girl because that just happens to be the last in the last order one. Michael like yeah. goes after no. them like well, she does fight no, back no, she no, no, fight then. she's already the final yeah. girl she's yeah. already the last she's the last one by the time she even realizes that something is, that a movie is happening. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, me too. Now, Carpenter and Deborah Hill have said that after the fact, a lot of people have read into the idea that the virginal Lori survives because of that, and people wanted to add that to it, and that wasn't their intent at all. Yeah. It was so- more that they were... Lori's paying attention to what's going on. She sees the shape when no one else does. So, and the other ones are busy doing their things, yeah. This is the least stoned and the least horny out of all of them. (laughs) And that gives her enough wherewithal to figure out. She might be the least stoned, but I do like that she's 
not a little, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I can have a little weed. That she is the first one to see the boogeyman over and over mm-hmm. again. She sees him multiple times, and then as soon as the little boy is like, "Whoa, there's a weird guy standing out right? in the house," she's like, "And she, she <laughs> yeah, asking what he looked like because then he could go, "Oh, he was. I think he was like wearing a weird mask or something." And then she'd be like, "Oh, right." We should call the police. I've seen that guy all day. Yeah, I've seen that guy all day. I mean, honestly, even when she saw him in the neighbor's yard after seeing him, I was like, why aren't you, why aren't you at least informing some, like, inform an adult? Just to, like, put it out there, today was the first day I saw this movie, even though I know all the context from it, from, like, um, cultural osmosis. But it really does show how much our sense of safety in the suburbs is based now on movies like this where we know these tropes and I really wonder if in I think it was 78 when this came out and if it just if her actions are not stupid necessarily they're just what because there wasn't a Halloween movie before this so she didn't know absolutely that's brilliant I love that interpretation has to be like kind of I'm like the foundation for I guess the whole subgenre of like suburban horror the themes and tropes of it like started here yeah and even with scream like like that was just playing into these much earlier slashers that now even today kids know these tropes through like both scream and and the things that it was kind of mocking slash homaging the story i would have liked to is michael's off-screen road trip adventure (laughs) Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was guy's pickup truck. Really it was, it was 150 miles. He had to stop for gas. Did he get some snacks? What yeah, kind of snacks uh, did it, Michael Myers get for his road trip? Where the See him in the cemetery me. digging up that tombstone? Yeah. Why is that such a small hole? That's that a was tombstone a hole. That w- but yeah, but that was a teenage like almost a grown woman why was that hole so small because i was like the body. Yeah. it's just the tombstone it's the one that oh, ends up on on the bed behind that. annie yeah okay because i really thought he, that he dug up the whole body just by, no, by how no, 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 so no, i was like that looks like a baby's Right. Yes. I was Again, like, why did that... he dig up a baby? I don't understand. Well, like bed thing was wild too, because a tombstone has to be like impressively heavy, right? And it was like, deep in yeah. there. So when yeah. it pops up on the bed, I was like, how is it not like you know, I like mean, he's falling yeah. setting up the headstones, he's tying bodies up upside down, so yeah. they'll swing in dramatic well, ways. Like he stabs a guy with a knife and sticks him to sticks him to a wall like he's a butterfly. That's that's hard to do one-handed when he's holding and then the, he did, and then he the did net with the other thing. And I'm with just a knife that is yeah. very yeah. clearly not big enough to big pin enough. someone yes. to the wall yeah. with. I also I love how artist. long he looks at it as if he's that like, awesome. oh, that I happened. That moment. No, I, <laughs> I love that moment of him just like, you never see that. Like the slasher just stopping and admiring. I have to I mean, wonder if he's also like, a big, this knife isn't big enough to hold somebody yeah, to the wall. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like he wasn't. It's also like, it's also only his third kill. So even though like he's a senatorial serial killer, he's actually like this is only the third person he's killed. So maybe he's like, huh, I didn't know it did that. I huh. do think I really well, like the idea that even he's trying to figure out how he pinned him to the wall that night. Yeah. He's like, I've never killed a man before. That's kind of neat. That too. <laughs> only one dude dies in this whole movie. The fellow right. who's playing the oh, shape yeah. at that point is a guy named Nick Castle. 
who was a friend of John Carpenter's, who was on the set sort of helping out. And it was, well, why are you here? Do something. You want to be the shape? And his dad was a choreographer. And so that little movement is something that he and Carpenter cooked up to just sort of, it's going to make it really creepy. Just go with this. And in the years since, basically playing Michael Myers have been massive stuntmen or Sabretooth, right? Tyler Mayne, who's six foot seven, plays him. Mm -hmm. It's, now, no, didn't it's, they it's, bring didn't they bring him back, Nick Castle back to the newest Halloween movie, the one? That yes. Was, yeah. Yes. Okay. He he yeah. he gets a nice little cameo in, in one of the moments, but Nick walks a certain way, and mm -hmm. John Carpenter apparently, when he was in college in in Bowling Green University, as some course went to a mental hospital and did, and it was very freaked out by seeing a little boy who was the Michael Myers. Of, of what would eventually be in this movie and got a real feeling for how people moved and walked and tried to impart this on Nick Castle. You just, you're just walking. You just you do it. Here's what we're, we're going to try for. And it, there's, it's a, it's very affecting to watch him do that. It just sort of doesn't glide. He's not striding. There's just, there's a purpose, but not grindingly. So it's really interesting. And that, that moment with the head turn is chilling, absolutely chilling. And and it's a that creates a an iconic moment that a lot of films would pick up after that. Yes. Um, it, the interesting thing about Michael Myers, th this is a moment in this in time, you know, late seventies, where the word serial killer is starting to really take off. Mm -hmm. This is just just maybe right after the advent of that term. A million of them have been active. <laughs> But they didn't use right. utilize the term, and it wasn't part of the popular culture in terms of you know popular knowledge. So you know the idea that there's just some quote unquote inhuman stalker in your everyday neighborhood, which is it is exemplified in the conversation between the sheriff and the doctor, where the sheriff is like, "This is a small community full of um, children and families, and you're saying that they're now lined up for the slaughter." And the doctor's like, "Yes." <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I yelled yes at the TV when I watched it. I was this, like, uh-huh. This movie well, is okay. the concerns of 1970s suburbia writ large. Yeah. So the, yeah. the term at the time was called lust homicide before Robert, Ress <laughs> before Robert Ressler coined the term serial killer. And yeah. it actually hadn't, wasn't in the general public. It would take a couple more to make it really uh, like a popularized term. And it wasn't actually till Thomas Harris books that are coming out. Oh. The, the, the broad strokes of it hit the public in such a really big way. What I think this movie does that's so interesting, I also have to, I really want to make a point about Laurie, otherwise I'm never going to get in on this. Uh, but uh, what this movie does is because it gestures toward like a bunch of half remembered things and articles about like murders that are happening, it, it acts, it, it like it's gesturing towards sexual pathology, mm -hmm. but it never, but because it doesn't have the correct research, research or understanding, and with the addition of the mask and the walking and all that kind of stuff, it actually walks backward and accidentally becomes something more totemic, mm -hmm. like something unknowable, uh, which, which, is, which I don't think is as intended, but is kind of intended. And real quick about Lori, in, in my estimation, all these things for virginal aspects, like not, not joining the drugs, was just a shorthand to make her relatable. Like she's not as comfortable being a teenager as everybody else. It's not about her moral 
morality raising her above. It's like a way to, to make an audience relate to her because she's a little bit outside of everybody in a really quick fashion. Because the truth is, this isn't Lori's movie. It's, it's, she's there to bear witness to Loomis's thesis. And there's a lot of little, there were jokes thrown earlier about Loomis being like this horrible doctor, but that's the point of the character is that he wasn't. This broke him. He is a man of science. He is a man of learning and he wanted to reach what he wanted to reach. And this broke him. And the whole movie is, is this guy a loon or isn't he? Because how does he lift this headstone? What, why, where are these little ritualistic placings of things? What do they mean? They mean something unknowable to an audience. And at the end, he gets away. She bears witness to his thesis and he was right. She has no stake in whether there's a boogeyman or not. It's just something that happens to her. Um, and where it's like, yeah, was that the boogeyman? He's like, yes, I think it was. He is gone. And I think subsequent sequels and greater context have sort of ruined how thunderously effective that is to leave the theater with this movie basically being, being about like, this, this is bigger than the, anything you can analyze. This is what makes this scary. It is unknowable evil and it is just yes. going to kill you and there's nothing you will know about it. And when you stick that into what is essentially a, a relatively well-realized hangout film, it creates a, this weird pop mythology, which is why I feel it starts the slasher genre improper more so than its antecedents like um, Peeping Tom or Psycho or, thing, or things like that, or even Black Christmas, which is a very similar film. But Black Christmas is more rooted in a human's sexual pathology. Even though you never see the guy, he mm -hmm. is so clearly a woman hating, like heavy breathing, like the sexual danger is there. Uh, whereas Michael Myers becomes this walking tombstone that is just a reminder of death butting up against people who are becoming adults. It's, it's a tremendous movie. I love it so much because it is pure pop mythology, like realized in a way. And I don't think all of it was intended. I think it just kind of greater than the sum of its parts ends up this way. It's something I, I, it's why I love it so much and why I feel like though the sequels are fun in a way that movies can be fun. I feel like um, they've all been a fundamental misread of what the first movie is or an overreaction to something. Yeah, absolutely. Was... When Rob Zombie tried to explain Michael Myers as being a put upon <laughs> kid and he's picked on at the bus stop and you eliminate that moment of Donald Pleasance explaining how there's nothing behind his eyes, that moment that's all and you need to know about Michael Myers. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm cool with zombie doing his take, but he even got the textbook stuff wrong. Like yes. that's not, yes. and then, he, and yeah. then he made him a supernatural killer at the end anyway, who just hones in on the sister, which by the way, present in this text, there are no sister elements, which is always a mistake to make them related, yeah. uh, which doesn't come till the sequel. It's not in this text because again, this isn't Lori's movie, much like alien isn't really Ripley's movie. She just happens to survive. And yeah. aliens, because you got to make a story smartly, makes her into something that it is her movie and does it really well. With the Halloween sequels, the only way they could sort of find a way was they they started boxing in the mythology and demystifying Michael Myers, uh, and, uh, and and I which I feel has made it made the first movie removed of its context where people watch it and go, like if Alien just existed without you knowing the Cameron life cycle of the Alien. These things are just this weird thing from the black of space that you, you don't know what the fuck they're up to. Same thing with Michael Myers, like without knowing anything around it or what would come, this thing existing in, in it by itself has tremendous 
like effect, you know, and would it for an audience at the time. The closest we get is in the, the newest sequel where it's basically about Jamie Lee Curtis's character's trauma too, but then it goes into that mythology of like, he's this giant crazy creature that kills all the time, but she very much understands it. But yeah, like you said, like, I, I don't know if anyone's seen the diagram of all the Halloween movies and how there are two different schisms between all of the sequels and then Halloween 3, which has nothing to do with this. It's Season of the week! On its own thing, <laughs> which we could totally either. do another episode about because it's amazing in its own right. But yes, yeah, it's, it's I, neat to I, see I, how, how this is kind of built on itself. And yeah. how, yeah, like, like Brad was saying, it's become bigger than what it was. I honestly wonder too how much of Friday the 13th plays into the whole, oh, the women in this movie who are sexual get punished because I, I do i do think that it's those it was movies really intentional but it but it still has that connection and probably ended up accidentally like inspiring other people to really do the oh we're we're technically like under the radar going to punish these characters for for being free in their sexuality even though um even though in this one i i was surprised how much how few people died. So it did feel like, it did feel more like he is just finding people to kill and not necessarily he's targeting people. Especially because with Friday the 13th, at least there's a, re there's a deliberate reason for the slasher to go after these particular kinds of people. And whether or not you agree with her, at least like there's the reason, whereas this, if- with noble. But yeah, with this one, it's like if you go into it thinking, "Oh, all the all the quote unquote sluts are gonna get are gonna get punished for it," then it's not really Michael who's doing the punishing; it's the writers. Like that's whenever there are slashers that don't have any like direct actual hate for women, then what you're saying is is that the writers trying to punish. I agree about the uh, targeting that Michael Myers is is doing for these teens is not necessarily um, a punishment or, or a moral anything because he is again a knowable you know I think it's just a matter of convenience and I think that the the un unknowable and as you said totemic quality of the character or you know just mythological quality of the character makes it into that idea of what these people who had just heard about lust killers and and uh, made that into their folklore and this is that folklore just coming to life into something that is that doesn't have any sort of background that doesn't have any rhyme or reason just of the force that comes to kill you now the one thing that i wanted to mention um about this film is that it spends a lot of time as michael myers um more than psycho yeah more than a, i think any slasher previous so that's another interesting element to this movie that is that is a bit um, uh, groundbreaking in terms of it uh, setting that tone for slashers. Ben, in terms sure, of setup, you? like this movie kind of feels like unprecedented, like to anything we've seen. Like, because again, we, this is we've done over fifty episodes of this now. We have watched a lot of horror movies, <laughs> and a lot of patterns emerge, especially in horror movies that are in the ninety-minute length. And in almost all of them, by like the half hour mark, like your the murder spree is on. Like the plot has kicked in. It is almost always half hour setup, hour of killing spree, 
this movie flips that ratio because I timed this shit. Like we go, like the killing spree doesn't start until the 54 minute mark. Lori doesn't even realize a killer is in, like, is doing anything until le- there's less than 15 minutes left in the movie. Yeah, it's like middle of the third act. Yeah. Yeah, and what you get is so much, like, an hour of setup, and I think it works really well because, and again, the cinematography, the acting of Nick Castle, and goddamn that fucking magnificent motherfucker of a theme song, all works really well to create a really just tense atmosphere and after all that setup when he finally does start like going after people like yeah shit it's like yeah after all that setup he like what is he capable of um i will say to kind of jump onto what ben was saying as someone again who watches like maybe three hours ago at this point i was really impressed actually the same way i felt when i watched alien for the first time i was really impressed by the amount of just space that was that was allowed for there was a lot of show don't tell which i also appreciate just as a fellow story maker and i really appreciated just how much time they they took before so it's not just tension, but it's also letting us like know the characters and um and i will also just say this there's i feel like there's a lot of problems in like more recent slashers or just horror movies in general where most of the cast is very unlikable assholes so you don't feel like you don't care that much that they're killed and you're like oh, okay that guy's definitely gonna get killed first because he's the asshole and in this one Funny and don't I, breathe yeah exactly yeah um and and in this one it's like one you don't you don't learn a lot of about you only get a very small cast. Like when I saw the credits roll, I was like, oh, that's a short cast list. But also the fact that these were genuinely really likable characters and you gave a shit and you got to know them well before they actually started getting slaughtered. So it felt more like, like while, while a lot of this was about Michael Myers, a lot of this was just about this particular neighborhood, which I thought was really interesting. Like we get to see the neighborhood right on the cusp of being like tear, torn apart, basically. So Annie, I thought that that was really interesting. Annie is so is such a charming character. He's my and favorite. Nancy Keys, <laughs> I think, just does a really. I love Nancy Keys in this movie. I I said it on Twitter today. I was like, I, I'm gonna say it right now. Annie got short listed justice for annie she was the best character and i when i looked up her actress apparently john carpenter let either like wrote some of the characters to be more like her personality or just kind of let her imbue her personality so like she said i have a really like sarcastic sense of humor and he let me put that in and like that's how you get actual good female characters you actually let them be people and let them have like these charms I, instead of thinking of them as archetypes. I'm yeah, and he had written the part for PJ Souls. Make a lot of faces. I'm sorry, yeah. my face just won't be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I had to say. But yeah, right, so, here, here are some of the faces that I was making. Number one, that soundtrack, you all were like, ooh, what he did with synth and pianos. And I was like, if I hear this theme one more time, <laughs> I will become a, what is it, a, lo- a lust homicide domaniac or whatever. I'm going to be the serial killer. I hated it. I absolutely hated the music. I hated it so much. 
Allie looks like she's hearing it right now. Do, 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 do. I'm gonna start yeah. crying. I love. I have it on vinyl. Oh. <laughs> me too. I hated it. Um, that would just stress me out. It did. It made me, and it, like, it didn't seem like. I think Alicia knew. got annoyed because it, it kept cueing in the same spot in the yeah. in the music every time, and she's just like, "Oh, this again." And it never I, like seemed to end. Like a. Like she's standing the there with a pumpkin, waiting for a like, friend to drive up, steam, like. <laughs> and it's playing scary music, and it's like nothing is scary here. She's crossing the street with a pumpkin. I okay. think it's I just think... meant to be unsettling. Like it's written in five, four times, so you're expecting it's like very <laughs> I'm, scary. I'm too unsettled, but it, it, it plays. It's so repetitive that it loses the unsettling feeling for me. I'm like, oh, this this old bag. I'm familiar with this tune. Um, he went straight from like scared to annoyed. <laughs> I'm not gonna die. I'm watching they got song. a lot of traction out of that one track. They really did. Like, yeah. Um, the other thing but, I was making faces about is Annie is not my favorite. I do not like Annie. No. I do not like Bob. I do not like Linda. Um, I don't like Annie at all. My favorite part about Annie is her flannel shirt. Yes, and I, I want do it. like Annie's yeah. flannel shirt. Well, we, Annie's I fashion think we game is have, on point, and that's I distracting think you and I both have the same flannel. Um, shirt dress, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, it looks and he was shitty to the dog. Oh, yeah, she Annie, was shitty to the dog. And Annie also, like, abandoned her kid that she's supposed to be babysitting. Yeah, and that immediately made me, like... That was, yeah. that was the real thing that makes, uh, you know, Lori a final girl and a relatable protagonist is she's not a shitty babysitter. Everybody yeah, else she's a, a really very good bad babysitter. babysitter. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she's she so, takes on the second kid just so because she does like Eddie's gonna do whatever anyway. So yeah, so uh, like question. definitely bad to abandon a kid, but arguably more responsible to leave it with Lori. Lori's Lori, gonna do a way better you. job. That's true. Um, so one of my things is um, so I am listening to you all talk, and I had never seen the original Halloween I went once, so I kept waiting for the big reveal that. You know, Lori is Michael Myers' sister. Me too, yep. And then it never Wait, is that happened. a thing? It's yeah. Halloween too. I don't yeah. have seen this one. Too. This is the only one I've ever seen in the series. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I knew that. So I was waiting for that. I was like, oh, maybe the parents had a baby afterwards or something, or maybe she right. was in her crib or something. But I was also doing the math of like, wait, 15 years. She's, I mean, I know that they, those, those actresses are not like actual teenagers, but like, maybe I'm just used to like CW casting. So I assumed, but, but yeah, I was also thinking like, Oh, when are they going to reveal that it's his sister? And then it turns out it was a retcon from the second movie. So I kept thinking that too. I kept thinking, Oh, it's his sister. And at some point we're going to learn that. And just like that makes him more knowable. I think, uh, and you were talking about him as being totemic and unknowable and who knows why the evil lurks behind his eyes. I kept thinking there would be an explanation for why he was following her. And it just dawned on me. The only reason he centered on her was because she walked up to the house with a key, yep. right? Yep. And from that point on, he was like, Ooh, there's a person that I can like play with, I guess. Yeah. Also, was he eating like dog that. food? Because I thought he was eating dog. A no, dog. he's eating dog. He's, he's a eating dog. dog. That's he's great. He's eating yeah. dog. Okay. I was like, yeah. yeah. I will they say that they do a discretion up. shot on that one. They do both a lot of, of discretion shots. This is the other thing I wasn't expecting from this movie is there's not actually a lot of blood and gore for a no. slasher film, and no, I very little blood. That. Yeah, I I did find it funny though that 
because I was also thinking just as someone going into it, my brain also goes to the whole like, oh, this is like, this is like Friday the 13th where the, the non-virginal women will be the main people being killed. I was surprised that there are just as many dogs killed as women in the present, at least. Like women, like three women get killed, get killed total, two dogs and one guy. And you had something to say. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess just again, in the killing spree with Michael, it's like, I love him in this movie. I love how unknowable and just just pure kill he is but at the same time he keeps having these moments of like creativity that i want exactly, to see yes. thought process. he's like "Ooh, i'm gonna put a sheet over my head you, and then put the, put the glasses. glasses oh michael you've done it again i'm not gonna you, lie i don't by Michael Myers as a character, and I apologize to all of the super Halloween fans that are that I'm talking to right now, but I just didn't get like I get like the idea that it's pure evil. I I really like that first scene where where if you didn't if you went into this not knowing that Michael Myers was a kid when he killed, and then seeing the who the person actually was who might who that it was just a kid in a costume, that that would be really um, effective in terms of just chillingness. But I don't get the character. I, I, I don't really love the idea of what Rob Zombie did either because it wasn't super good. But I, at the same time, I just don't get like, oh, he's evil. It just doesn't, I don't know. It just doesn't work for What's me the motivation? way that's other. Yeah, where it's just I like, mean- so was he evil the whole time? Was he born evil? Is was he? I don't know. It just something about it just doesn't work for me personally, and I couldn't get invested in it. So and and that's fine. But the efficacy of the film and why it broke through so hard over films that had more of a one to one over what their killer was up to, I think, speaks for what this felt like in context of when it came out. Uh, those ritual things that he's up to, again, it's more based out of like just lack of research or knowledge of just like half reading one thing. But the overall effect of it is you you don't want to know his motivation for for his little creativity thing. He's receiving some signal you'll never know. And why that might (laughs) Mm -hmm. cause a disconnect disconnect for you as a personal viewer, uh, I think it's to the film's credit and why it became the most successful independent film ever at the time is because of its enigmatic qualities, again, stuck in a, in a hangout film. I, I, I think that the closer you try to tie Michael to something that essentially boils down to, I need to kill people to ejaculate, uh, the, 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 the less thunderous that would have be, been and it would, it would line up with other well-made but not as thunderously impactful films like Black Christmas. And eventually we end up with a, a cult group pulling yeah. his oh strings and, and the rest of it. It's it's don't we don't need any of that at all. You really yeah. they should have never made a sequel to this movie, period. Ever. Yeah. It's it never yeah. needed one. They're all a mistake. <laughs> um, even I mean, even though I loved them when I was a kid. No, I, I think that I mean that's also just a good point for a lot of different movies. I mean we talked about Alien and how Alien as one movie is so iconic and 
you could be fans of the sequels, but they also kind of retroactively change how you see the first one. I think yes. Jurassic Park's another one too, where it's so tight. And then when you try to expand on it in the way they did, it kind of cheapens it in retrospect. And I feel like, I mean, you could also, I, I keep going back to Friday the 13th just because those two are, these two franchises are so connected in my mind, but it really is like, it it cheapens it when you go, but what if he's like in space now? Or what if, what if he's part of a cult now? Um, and it's like, why don't you just make that its own thing and let, and let this movie and its simplicity be its own thing, you know? And, and I think that Friday the 13th is a weird case because it is such a just cynical cash in on what Halloween is that huge glut of slasher films that did have the Reagan politics in them knowingly or not mm -hmm. are because it's a, Le less thoughtful craftspeople working on these things to cash in quickly. But in the case of Friday the 13th, it starts at a pretty low bar, though I do dig that movie, uh, and gets better as it goes. It's, <laughs> it, it's because of its sequels that anything about those movies sticks in people. Like, by, it's not till Jason lives that he, he becomes full pop mythology shooting out of a grave because lightning struck him, you know? Like... <laughs> Uh, that's when those movies really kick into gear. So send Jason to space. I just remiss that that Halloween went down a similar tract of of building out a mythology that should never have been built out. It it stands so uniquely on its own, and now it sort of can't as easily uh, do due to the sequels and the and overthinking certain things, you know. Well, I remember reading an interview with Carpenter where he was saying when they were he was writing the script to the second one that he was just completely stuck. He was sitting there drinking a six pack of beer, trying to sort out why did I get into this, Wrong and it beer. was only that they didn't get he and Deborah Hill did not get the money they should have out of the first one because Hollywood bookkeeping is always what it is. Oh yeah, and they gave me a really big check, so he cashed the really big check and it let him do a lot of other things, but he knew early on that it was a problem uh, trying to explain things and go where he went. It's interesting because you talk about the comparing this movie to alien and the, the sequel situation. I think it's a really good example of, of one thing Ben says a lot, which is, you know, answers to questions we never wanted to ask or care about. <laughs> and also it's aliens came out like seven years after alien did. And that movie alien didn't really ask for a sequel. This movie is one of the most open-ended movies in terms of just having it be um you know the killer got away what now and uh i just think that's really interesting because of how much you know now that like i don't know how ubiquitous the sequel thing was at the time not very aliens then, rocks by the way i love yeah. that movie uh <laughs> but it, it, it but by virtue of rocking and doing a totally different thing it does demystify the, the first one if you were to see them in as a canon series yeah uh, but the first halloween's open ending is is it's weird because like most great movies, by virtue of it telling its story once well, it's like people want more, even though it's meant to never have more. Yeah. Him getting away is the text. That's the, that's the thrust of the film. That's the, the, well, the thing come to completion, the apotheosis, you know? Yeah. It's so completely sold by Pleasance's look as he looks over the balcony. Yeah. It's that I knew this would happen. And apparently he gave Carpenter two choices. I can either do oh my God, or I knew this would happen. And he went with, I knew this would happen. 
So it's interesting that you say that because I'm kind of with Katie in that I saw this for the first time in the last week. And yet it's so familiar because it has obviously informed so many tropes and so many moves after yeah. this, right? You got the mask, you got the slow walk, you've got like the kitchen knife, you've got the disappearing when you think he's dead, like all of these things. The, the, the phone not not working anymore. Yeah, and, and but yeah. I think I wonder if that's part of my issue, because it's not my favorite, is the it's informed all these things that I love, but it seems like it's still kind of figuring it out in some ways. I don't know if that's it, where it just it doesn't execute in the ways that I expect these it's movies got, to uh, been talked think, about. Oh, I definitely think no, it's got that fine. problem that a lot of foundational things have way in advance where all of the things it pioneered have now kind of been refined or done better or in more interesting ways since where we're so we're so used to it yeah. or so comfortable with it. Yeah, like, like Casablanca for the first time when you're 25, you know? Yes. You're like, oh, I've heard that line before. I know this right. thing. That trope is obvious. Maybe that was why I was so surprised how much what I called like space was in this movie because I'm used to like all these tropes being used in a tighter way. And I thought it was interesting. I, I enjoyed kind of experiencing it for the first time. But it was kind of funny where I went into it kind of assuming some of the tropes that I was going to see. And I saw some of them, but I didn't see as many as I expected just because they were clearly right. being built on by like the next 30, 40 years. Um, but yeah, it is, it is interesting just how kind of raw it feels in terms mm -hmm. of being a genre because it was kind of the start of a new section of horror genre. So just ben mentioned that, like, there's like 54 minutes before the first death, right? Which, you know, I get it. I have ADHD. That's a long time. Right. <laughs> and that's a really, at least the other slasher films that I can think of are building up this dread before their first kill. It happens sooner, but also it's not these like obvious dramatic zooms with your late motif playing right where it's like there he is there's the killer it's more like you know catching sights of the killers like coming in a back door when no one notices or there's someone standing in the shadows but the movie doesn't draw attention to it so there's yeah. there's a dread in some of the more modern movies that i really enjoy like, i didn't feel any tension in this movie while i was watching except the part where she goes my car door is locked. Let me go get my keys. <laughs> then she opens the back and unlocks the door. And my first thought was, you dumb dumb. And my second yeah. thought was, that's me. <laughs> that would absolutely be how the killer got I say, The one scene that like, the jump scare that really got me and is one, it's one element where he does just come out of nowhere out of the shadows like and doesn't have a dramatic close up while his lay motif plays is when he gets Annie from the back of the car. Yeah. Like yes. that was the jump scare that, that like Rules. knocked me out. Yeah. And that definitely it was it's not it was like, interesting how many die. Like yeah. I, I kept waiting for Annie to die because there's so many spots like when she was trying to get out of it. And I'm like, oh in any other in any other horror movie, like she would be halfway through the window and he'd slice off her head. Like yeah. or or like I don't know. He they find a way to freeze her head and then and then explode like that one Jason movie. But um... <laughs> I, know, I know why. The, I the don't one Annie. the one jump that gets me is the the one where Laurie is standing behind the in front of the darkened doorway and you just see like the mask appear in the door behind her uh, because like yeah. you don't even know that he's there and you just get just the the light reflecting off the mask there, and that's all. There you are can so see many. It. 
there are so many times where they set where they direct it so that one character is to the side of something and there's either a window or a or a shadow door and i was like well i know what's coming because i've seen horror movies before but also because they're really like laying it out for me and and yeah, I was just like, okay, I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for the jump scare. I'm waiting for the jump scare. Um, the one that really got me and I was surprised about is when Loomis is in the, the childhood home and he's describing to the sheriff like exactly what was happening. And then the thing hits the window. And I actually jumped because I was not expecting, they actually did a pretty good job of not um, setting up that particular jump scare. And so I did actually do a little, a little jump at that one. I forgot how much of the movie was Loomis uselessly staying at a house that he Michael never comes back to. And harassing kids from the bushes. Well, no, he does come back because he eats that dog in it. Like, he's hanging out at at his... But we never see him in the house, really, except for when he decides that he's going to follow Lori. Okay, Loomis, right, Lori save the kids the with up. pranks. Yeah. I think... The, the thing uh, that gets the, me about Loomis is that at one point in the movie, he turns around... And he's like, hey, that's my car. Wait, <laughs> Michael's here. Way too late. I mean, that car drives slowly Life behind him. him. The, yes. the thing that drove me crazy is when the sheriff is like, oh, we should tell the cops to look for the serial or like the for, look for this murder. And he's like, no, then they'll look for all of it. And I'm like, I kind of get your point. But also, this is like when people like Halloween, people are going to be out and about, which is funny because everybody who who gets killed is not actually trick-or-treating they're at home which i thought was kind of funny but but still it's like it's like i'm pretty sure that sheriff's gonna be really pissed that he didn't like have all his police officers doing a man search when he finds out his daughter's been killed like i'm just i'm just saying like maybe he's a little pissed off at loomis after that oh yeah that's gonna be a real bummer for him once he finds <laughs> that out so the I fact that he did it was surprising to me i was actually like kind of expecting it because they set up that it was her dad, which they didn't have to. So I don't know. I thought that that was kind of, I was waiting for him to, to find her considering he was also looking for, for Michael. So I don't know. That was interesting. So the, I actually the, wanted to change the subject really quickly, but it seems like Brad, you had something that you wanted to I just to had one, some about the scares. The, the two most effective scares for me are the car. I think that's just perfect. Um, uh, and to me, the, the, the part that sticks with me the most is when she's running down the street, banging on doors and somebody turns the porch light off, which is, which is how, like, which is, which speaks to the thing about what, what youth was sort of seen as and the sort of safety of things. It's just like, this is some just drugged out kid. Shut your, like. Or it's a Halloween prank or, yeah. yeah precisely. And, and that, that is just very chilling that she's, that no one will help her. And also, it's pretty funny that they set a movie on Halloween and didn't have the budget to actually have trick-or-treaters. <laughs> so right? they, they, they work around that as they best like they four. And that's exactly yeah. what I was going to bring up is all of the things that I expected to see that I was surprised that I didn't see. So one is trick-or-treaters. Two, um, I expected the sheriff to be skeevier somehow like when he bumps into her and says yeah you know everyone's entitled to a good scare i was like oh i was uh, waiting for him to like eye her as she walked away and i was like not. Oh, he's not a fucking creep okay nope. okay he's just 70s i guess no he's a um, creep but just not that bad not, yeah not that obvious a one you know um i have some questions here um so is there before i ask my list of questions is there anything else that people wanted to bring up 
Um, I know, Emmanuel, you wanted to talk about freedoms. Yes. <laughs> we can talk I, about I found it funny that as far as I can tell, and anybody can, can, uh, can tell me wrong, but when I tried to look up what the English teacher was talking about, like the book apparently was made up, which I thought was really interesting. Um, but I also- choice. Oh my God, that fucking English teacher is like, destiny yeah. is real Sorry. and you're all gonna Die. That English teacher was mad when she got the right answer. Yeah. She was like, I also, Lori, are you paying attention? And Lori was like, yes, in fact, here's the right answer. And then she was like, very good. Or, like, or she wasn't paying attention, but she already knew the answer because she's a smart person. Um, I also, well, one, I also uh, identified a lot with Lori when she was carrying too many books and had a giant ass book, book bag because that was me. Uh, that was me at age 16. Um, but I, um, but no, I thought that was really interesting. I did like the idea that they were setting up the, the concept of fate and that like Michael coming back was inevitable. Um, I like the fact that we didn't see the teacher because mm -hmm. that would have taken up more time. And I feel like we've, I don't know, maybe it's just because I've seen the trope of like the smarmy teacher explaining the thesis of the movie. And like, I, I like the fact literally that literally the. This was literally the teacher from Charlie Brown. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm just remembering if you ever saw the movie uh, Smiley, where the where literally they just used the professor in that as like an ethics professor who talked about like ethics the whole time. Um, and yeah, but I, I liked I liked at least the setup of it. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I didn't I didn't mind it that much, but I did find it kind of funny that when I looked up what the book was, for some reason my media thought went to like Gulliver's Travels and no, it's just like apparently it's just a fake book. So it's too bad there are no pieces of literature that deal with fate. Yeah, I know, right? So it was like it was such a wild choice given <laughs> all of literature in the world, yeah. not just English. You're just like, I'll eh, just make up a book. It's yeah. probably gonna be better than whatever's out there. <laughs> it's like, not it's not like half of Shakespeare's plays are about fate and destiny in one way or the other and will oh well or literally any greek tragedy mm -hmm. right. mm -hmm. one thing i'd like to just run by everybody really quickly is the actual look of the film that yeah. for a movie shot for three hundred thousand dollars you're in two three five anamorphic widescreen that that steady cam which is a panaglide in, in this case was something really quite new at the time that point of view shot that was mentioned earlier on Mm -hmm. There's something much higher budgeted, much more artistic in what's going on here. There's some semi-deep focus out of Orson Welles and Greg Toland where those things are happening in the background, those reveals of Michael standing somewhere and the camera goes back and forth across that widescreen image. He manages to craft close-ups in widescreen, which is not something you see a lot of, but he manages it. The craftsmanship is impeccable in this movie. Yeah, it does so much with with not very much, you know. It's it's um an achievement of minimalism. I think it's, it's fine. It's I mean, very much like Hellraiser in that like it's this novice director who's like, "Oh, let's try this and see if it works." And But it's like, not working it's so with controlled. Almost nothing. Yeah, I mean it is it is very controlled and and very powerful in that way. And I just wonder how anyone can appreciate this movie when it was in like uh, a TV ratio. It's very hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's very hard. I mean, a lot of us did. A lot of us watched it the first time that way. Yeah. And just um, saw a shoulder at the end of the screen. Yeah. Like, yeah. where's the, Michael? Did they pan the, did they pan the car? You know, because the car yeah. is 
Yeah, I mean, I see. Yeah, they. It's yeah, been a long that, time. Also, as we discussed a little early, I guess off air, that early videotape prints of it were compressed. Mm-hmm. So now it's all the images there, but Jamie Lee Curtis is seven feet tall. Something I thought was interesting, like an interesting choice, is the walking home from school scene because you get a real sense of how close they are to school. Um, Which, like, for some suburbs, because I I used to live in like the suburbs of of, like central Indiana, where uh, you you basically can't walk anywhere; you have to drive. And I thought it was really interesting the way that they use that scene not only to build like the set of characters and set up what's happening in the rest of the rest of the movie but also just a sense of how close they are to everything and the fact that like her friend her friend says goodbye they walk for like another minute another friend says goodbye she walks she goes to her house like there's a real sense of space which i thought was good uh considering that it's literally the rest the rest of the movie is set on this block so i thought that was kind of yeah yeah it really doesn't feel like a soundstage it really feels like a neighborhood like because you know you you get sort of a sense of the whole neighborhood as they're walking through it, just is really interesting because you get you know exactly where there is for them to go and where the you know uh, <laughs> when she does actually try to reach out to somebody for help how how well that actually goes for her yeah <laughs> sure yeah and it and has we- a a lot to say about the microcosm of you know the the close community um and of all these people knowing each other being across the street from each other and now these days we don't see that as as that much um space because we talk to all sorts of people all the time whether on the internet or or whatever we're driving everywhere um but there was still something of that um that sense of space you know that that um between one house and another house is enough space for one one place to be um a sanctuary and another place to be um this this horrible hell pit of people being killed and stuff like that but um yeah there was the you still get the sense and also almost like a childlike sense like on halloween especially when you're a kid and it, you know if you're trick-or-treating even if you're not even trick-or-treating in in a neighborhood with houses but like every location has significance because you're visiting all of them each of them has a character and a flavor um and you know the fact that a lot of people are out and about i feel like that energy is picked up really well by this film in a lot of different ways it's very subtle yeah i also love that you can carbon date this movie from any frame that features pants or cars because it's just jam-packed with brown station wagons and bell bottoms i when uh when lori comes out in her second outfit i was like i love that outfit i want to buy that those are in now they're back so yeah that's that's good stock up on your bell bottoms everyone um i won't be participating but (laughs) they're like the high-waisted pants they're high-waisted bell bottoms yeah 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 bob have you got some high-waisted bell bottoms i was a teen in the early (laughs) 2000s i'm just glad that high-waisted pants are considered acceptable now because the horrors i saw I, I have to tell you, the uh, early 2000s is coming back. So everybody's going to be doing yeah, the Riser hip How do we have again. nostalgia for two, the 2000s? Well, what are we nostalgic for? Well, we're I have we're a nostalgic theory. for like 2000 because yes. it was for 9-11. You all, we're yeah. nostalgic for the, for the late 90s. All right, so here's my theory. Yes. All right, what, what mom did back in the day when she was a kid is cool because you're rebelling against who mom is now. 
And so about every 20 years, you have like recycling fashions in literature, art, and clothing. I have a theory too. Yeah. It's about all of the people who were kids who are very, very affected by pop culture at that time. Once they reach an age where they all become media creators, you know, they start influencing they start, media. Yeah, we start yeah. making media. So it's why I like P-Funk because Snoop Dogg liked P-Funk and Snoop Dogg was cool when I was a kid. It's and the Snoop reason Dogg why- it's the reason why Dick Grayson's costume looks like is always what yeah. what the comic creator had as a kid, which yeah. is what I think. It should always be the disco collar. And that's why I get so frustrated with people being like, uh, the current kids are making fun of my side parts and my skinny jeans. And it's like, well, they're <laughs> wearing center parts and bell bottoms like Rachel yeah. was doing on Friends. Remember, we used to do that as well. They're just but copying us. My, because we're teenage mom age. My go-to right. response is Homer saying, that's true, that's true, we are so lame. Like, <laughs> yeah, All right, so Emmanuel, I really want to hear about funny. freedoms. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... I- a lot of us are teachers. A lot of us work with teenagers. And my teenagers that I work with, I've got freshmen and juniors. They're great about it. Uh, there have been some protesters in North Carolina that feel that we should unmask uh, the students, that we should free the smiles. And so it was interesting watching this movie where a guy in a mask goes around killing people that are just trying to live their lives, <laughs> meet up in public houses, <laughs> drink, Make out smoke, with have sex. Uh, at one point, Lori even like, protects the children i'm like oh i'm sure there are a lot of like anti-vaxxers that like view themselves as Lori. like that's me i'm like fighting yeah. off the mask folks but they just kind of disappear into the wind at the end because, you know, <laughs> those damn liberals are slippery <laughs> do they ever get sequels um can i just say that one of those kids i found out is keller richards who was one of the real housewives of like hollywood or la or she something is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so because be yeah. list before she even showed up in the movie, so I was waiting for Lindsay. But yes, Lindsay, the little girl, uh, ended up becoming she a, is real a real housewife. Yep. Real housewife. Does she do of the Beverly same? Hills. Does she do the same thing on Real Housewives that she does in the movie? Thank I know people. that there was one time when someone does the flip the table and she just ran out of the room. Oh, like there was drama and she just ran. So technically, she does do the same thing. When she'll actually be back in the next sequel. She's playing hmm. Lindsay again. Oh, 40, 40 nice. years later. Welcome back, Lindsay. Yeah, good for you, Lindsay. Yes. Do you think when Justice for Lindsay. John Carpenter was making this and he was putting the thing in the movie, do you think he already had in the back of his head, he was going like, I'm going to remake the shit out of this one day? <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, right? His, it's one of his favorite movies, and that's actually his one-inch video print they're showing on the television. Ooh, la oh, la. That's so funny. I mean, you got to figure if yeah, you make a movie I, for like 300000 that you're like, someday it'd be cool to do this with an actual budget. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and a Kurt oh, Russell. Was... Yeah, I really did watch it thinking like, wait, did he already make this and this was homage? And actually, while we've been talking, I looked it up because I was going to bring up like, did he did he know he was going to do that? So that would be a cool reference one day. Or did he just really like that movie and eventually remade it? Either way, it's kind of cool. But it was I thought it would have been fun if it was like a little a little wink and a nod to a movie he already made. Uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't out at that point. The future wink and a nod. Yeah, it was yeah. it was I know shadowing. I can't wait till the episode really? when we do the thing, because that movie is great. 
Oh, that's a fantastic film. I love that film. Saying, I watched that in the last month also. <laughs> I have questions about this movie. Yes. So are you ready for my question? I've crossed off some of them because you've addressed some. Uh, let's see, we got to that one. I love okay. questions. So why didn't Loomis call the police of Haddonfield while he was at the hospital talking to the director? Different he's jurisdiction. A bad doctor. those phones at the hospital obviously so therefore he had to drive i okay. assume and then also uh didn't michael myers steal a car at night like yeah. wasn't it nighttime yeah. and dark so yeah. why was he at the hospital in the middle of the day like it was like noon what what happened in between did he like Walk the nurse home and then. You're talking about Loomis. Why was yeah. Why was Loomis still right. at the Tons. hospital the next morning? Yes, like tons of day. meetings. Tons Where of meetings. Yeah, I, I mean, do have a, I do have a, a lot of paperwork. He hasn't yeah. taken yeah. it upon himself to go do anything about it. He's just a doctor. Yeah, <laughs> like he's, it's like he's not like. Well, now I'm action man tonight. He's. <laughs> Eat his breakfast and was like, shit, nobody's going to deal with this. That said, maybe he had to corral all of the other people that got out like like they were sheep. Maybe because I I saw, I expect when when Michael jumped on the car, I thought that was one of the other people. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that can't be the first. And then then when his hand came, Michael, yeah, and then when the hand came up, I was like, that looks like a Michael Myers hand. I think that they're just, I think that that's who's gonna try to kill. Speaking of the car jumper, I got a question for the nurse. Someone jumps on the roof of your van, and your first response oh, is to roll down the window. What? I thought she was locked in the car. It's seventy-eight. She's busy humanizing these people. She was like, she was like, "Ah, oh, doctor, how dare you call him an it? I'm wearing a cape for some to be reason." Yeah, why was she a vampire? I guess it's Halloween, so she's vampire and, nurse. And and why was the nurse smoking with her hand that's in the car? Like she's driving, shouldn't she be smoking with her left? The, okay, all right, raining. fine. It was raining. But I love yeah, the fact that the only raining. reason why she was smoking was to establish the fact that she had those matches that that Loomis then finds there, which is funny because you could, he doesn't find the body, he finds the matches, and yes. I'm like, why didn't she just have him find the body and you would know that Could've, that Michael was there? Smell it. I mean, yeah. it's been out there in the. I, I was really like, so that guy's just gonna be like just not going to be found for a while more. Thanks, Loomis. You could have walked like four steps. And $100,000. You can only make so many people look like corpses. You're just like, yeah, going to be off camera. And, and considering also, that that corpse was the craft service supervisor. Oh, really? Yeah. catch up on him. Yeah, uh, it's basically, that was his truck. And we need the truck. Can you, can you be a dead body for a minute? Sure. That's I mean, like um, in Men in Black, the guy in the in the deli who's like, where's Ivan? Before before finding out, like, he was the owner of, I, I've seen the commentary too many times, but he was the owner, and they were, and he was really gung-ho about getting a role. So he got to be uh, like, where's Ivan? Nice. Oh, I gave him a break. And then you see the guy. <laughs> yeah. That's the dream. Yep. Um, a bit I also want to own a deli that a Hollywood movie then has exactly. to film it so I can get a walk on. Just yeah. a, just one line. <laughs> I don't want to roll. I just want cameos. I think Who ordered salami? I'm ready. In this film that nobody can smell, at least the older men cannot smell because no. they mistake of a, maybe it's a skunk, maybe it's a dog. I think you would know. But then I realized that the sheriff 
did not smell the very, very recent and obvious ganj that those girls were smoking in the car. Um, well, I'll check that one off of my question. I was expecting yeah. <laughs> Right before he, he drove away, away, right before they drove away, I was expecting him to go, yeah, and uh, stop, you know, you should probably put that out before you talk to your cop dad or something. I was expecting him to not buy it and to, like, have a little playful moment of him being like, no, but really, you should probably put that out. But no, apparently, he's just like, he he has no, for, for a police officer, he has no sense of detection, so. What, what I do want to see is the version of this movie where Michael Myers doesn't change his clothes and he just wanders around in bright white robes killing everybody. <laughs> well, yeah. It is crazy that this cop doesn't recognize the smell of weed. Because again, as they point out, he is a suburb cop. The right? only fucking thing he does is bust teens for smoking weed and underage Even drinking. Mentioned that's it. That's his whole ass job. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while, a brown person knocks the neighborhood. That's and true, and he's got to take care of that when that happens. Out why yeah. you're in this neighborhood. That's what I was going to add. All right, here's my next question. Uh, what do you think happened to Charlie Bowles? Which one so, is Charlie? So the, the oh the, the, the saw yeah the saw <laughs> the sheriff is like and then. And then I he know, right? a hacksaw, and then it's like, ah, well, anyway, let's talk about down a tree. Else. I was like, wait. I love yeah. the idea that the oh. subs are safe, except for, like, every 50 years, someone goes just wacko and, and does something nuts. So he's like, oh, so oh, Michael's the caretaker. That's the spinoff we got to see. That's like Halloween Zero. <laughs> I want to see the story <laughs> of that story. All right, who's ready? Did you, you ever see the movie The I mean, Burbs, the Joe Dante movie yes. that Tom Hanks is in? Oh, well, no, there's a similar go. story about Chip, the guy who works in the ice cream parlor. I think that's the sequel story. Wait, oh, yeah. Wait, so to answer your question, though, I, I think <laughs> but I assume that he was very inefficient with the saw and just like sliced his neck over with the saw. Yeah. Like, because like, like, one night he got angry and took a hacksaw and then he lost a pinky. Well, he said, like, goodbye. <laughs> so he was like, that's kind of how I that's how I imagined it. And I was very mad when Loomis was like, was like, let's change the subject. I'm like, let's not, because I want to know exactly why he picked that weapon. Yeah. All right. Come on. This is a terrible podcast. Here's what oh, sorry. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking about... I don't take my <laughs> questions and talk about my, my interrupted murder. Wow. <laughs> my interrupted... My favorite interrupted murder is what I'm... Yeah, thank you, Jeremy. Not right. this one. Um, how... So, I, my question was, what did uh, what did Annie spill? But later she says it's like butter, I guess, for the popcorn that she's making. But how much butter did she spill that she had to take off all of her clothes? And why no bra? Bra, thank you. I was seventies. I, I, I was talking to like oh, friend about this. She didn't watch it with me, but like I came home and I was ranting to her about some of the stuff before I got on the podcast. And she was like, "But wasn't that like the sixties and free love?" I'm like, "But it was the seventies, and they were teenagers, and they didn't give a shit about like about free love and everything." And, I think it was also, just my mom never life. wore a bra in the seventies. I have photographic evidence of this. So <laughs> like, maybe it's just maybe it's just my <laughs> perspective, right? Maybe I'm just I just do just two times. I, I have more of a problem. I've got and, more. And then she just like she just took everything off and then found like a shirt. She was like, and I was like, I need a robe. Never mind. Here's a random shirt. I'll put that on. Put the hamper on the way to the wash. The first scene of the movie where the sister gets murdered, she's like brushing her hair topless. Which topless? Like, what I mean, the hell? Just some good old fashioned topless <sighs> hair brushing. We talked before about how the the sexuality plus and then the violence in response to it is probably 
not what the creators intended. But I do think the nudity in this movie does not help that. And the nudity it, in this movie is strange. It yeah. is it's just, it's just like, really it's weird. It feels incidental. Like because yeah. he could, so he did. It's not like a Giallo film. Like, yeah, it's yeah, like you see it is, his breasts like, for a split second, but only at the exact moment of death. Like, Yeah. I don't know what you want yeah. me to feel about this. Or, like, or she said, wow, and it like slightly moved. I'm like, you could have just covered that up and we would have gotten the point. Like, There's no reason for her to have like for her to just like have it slip down. I and again, it's not necessarily that the character that the characters can be nude. I just felt like it was a really weird choice to have to show specific nudity. When, also, she wasn't yeah. near the washer and dryer when she took all her oh like, had, God, she, like had she walked out to the, you know, thing and then she was like, "All right, nobody's around here. I'm just going to take my stuff up." Mm-hmm. That's kind of just gonna do this in the kitchen um that's yeah, I, weird i, I thought was it was a little strange on the on the she was like putting baking soda or something on the oh, on the butter on her question. shirt okay yeah. does that work i feel like that works is that a, is like, that a thing yeah i would still ask know, right? the girl whether she had like pajamas like any any kind of pants also I it, especially in when there. she's going like, over to like the street so Lindsay. no Lindsay's not listening to you Lindsay's watching Dr. Dementia there was not a PG-13 rating then there, there might not be enough violence in this movie to get it in an R perhaps a little bit of nudity put it over the line okay well yeah, Mustafa Akkad had mandated boobies for the movie uh, oh the, okay the, finan- the financier and it's something you can tell that Carpenter isn't quite comfortable with which is why those bets are always hedged Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I guess the sheet's gonna fall and she's gonna show some titty now, you know. But that was sort of like a boobies. So what you're saying? I mean, but it was common to get financing for movies back then. Yeah, like it's still common. It's yeah. still common, to, especially for like genre and exploitation, yeah. for there to be like, uh, like this needs these titillating elements. And it's funny because you can see, like, <laughs> I think those moments also stand out as being peculiar and, uh, like, mm-hmm. trashier than the rest of the film. Um, they're kind of quaint, though, in comparison to what comes in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Be- because or, or now, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, slashers don't have boobs now at all. Um, uh, I, I, but it was, it, it was very much a, like, you're not getting your money. Like this script, and it's just you, it, the movie has such a hard time with it because yeah. you know it's also Deborah Hill is his collaborator, and you could tell they both were like, "Oh fuck it, how are we gonna get Mustafa off our back?" You know, all right, she's brushing oh. her hair naked. All right, that answers that thing question. Slips. Yeah, boom, that was uh, actually at the top of my lid, uh, of my lid, of my list. It was Mustafa Alakai. I think it is also interesting because again, because this is the beginning of the genre. It also what it unintentionally set up this as like a trope, like boobs, just boobs and then murder, and and again this isn't something that they necessarily wanted, obviously, but it's still like it's the precedent that that set up the next sure, but it's also the precedent of of genre exploitation drive-in movies, period, just in general leading up to this, you know. There's an interesting quote, though, from Jamie Lee, where she had said in all the exploitation movies she made, she made five or six of these right in a row almost. She, Her characters always seemed rather intelligent, uh, had some agency, clever, courageous, 
and never had to show anything. And it wasn't until she tried to get a break in regular movies with Trading Places, she had to play yeah. a prostitute and show her chest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I remember yeah. that. Hmm. All right. Um, okay. You ready for my next question? Well, which next question? My next question is, ew, why would you do it on someone else's bed? Like in yeah. someone else's yes. bed? And she was, have a bed and this was something they were assuming they were going to do when when uh, there were other she people. Thought Annie and, and, and Lindsay. And, yeah. Can, can we talk about one line from the boyfriend? Oh there's... my God! Yeah, well, Carol, yeah. Like, that was exactly the line you're about to say. When he told her to answer the phone, because I almost no. like. Oh, okay. Not that line. No. No. When, when um when she's when the girlfriend is explaining the plan, where she's like, "We're gonna go in. We're gonna go to the bedroom on the right." And he's like, "And then you're." And then he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna rip your clothes off." Well, don't rip my clothes off. Just take it off. And then and then we'll and then you'll rip my clothes off. And then I'll rip off Lindsay's clothes. And I was like, "Lindsay is the child." Yeah, I had to I, check on the cast list. That was, yeah, that so was a big, <laughs> big what the that. fuck moment. For me, I was like, excuse you. And then I looked at his glasses and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's good. He, he does died. look like a sketch artist would draw him in like, like three years. That's, yeah. a re- that's a fucking red flag if I've I ever seen one. I see it's why it gets pinned to a wall. Yeah. <laughs> did, did, he mean, did he mean Annie? Because I assume he he meant yeah, he's just I making a joke. It's like a terrible joke. It's to show he's a terrible person. And oh. yeah. to, you know, yeah. He's a shitty boyfriend. He I mean, is, yeah. Indeed. Um, also, okay. he can he only fucks in ten seconds. I and when they, I assume that they fuck on the couch when they get yes. in there. But Ew. then he doesn't take off his either. He takes uh-huh. everything off, and then he and then he takes off his his like anorak sweater, and then puts his anorak sweater back on over his uh-huh. plaid. And I'm thinking like that's pretty thorough. Yeah. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. they just did like through the pants or something. I don't, I don't know how I would feel if I came home from whatever my night out was supposed to be to like rumpled sheets that smelled like stale cigarettes. Maybe the parents smoked as well, so they wouldn't have noticed. But well, the kids died there now, so you know, oh, I don't know how I would feel about that either. I was gonna say, I was about, I was thinking that that was the police officer's house, but it wasn't. It was just no. Some random no they're gonna find a dead dog, two dead girls, a dead boy. Yeah. Their child is not going to be there when they get home. She took yeah. off running down the street to somewhere else. Um, yeah. All right. Here's all of their windows question. are broken. Here's the next question. Okay. Why is the room? <laughs> That's how you get down. Okay. Well, That's how I get down. Thank you. Look, That's none of these people have any sense of survival instincts, or <laughs> so like. It it's not that surprising. <laughs> I mean, are you guys telling me that y'all don't have like no not, not infrared mood lighting? No, I don't have rotable mood lighting. Well, that's I how don't you have know. biodegradable mood lighting in my room. I was very well, confused about the word rotable until I processed as like, able yeah, to be rotted. Yeah, able to. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a real word. I just it's made like, it up just not, now. I don't that's, think that's what you get to do when you're an English yeah, I'm trying to think of the word now that you meant to say, and I and now my brain is. Completely so I was looking at the trivia. It's apparently this was shot in spring and they had a really hard time finding pumpkins because of it. So maybe this is just like reusing this fucking pumpkin. Like, I mean, <laughs> that's it's a Halloween, goddamn difficulty. It. Like, that's real. All right. Yeah, just a, it's giant bags of leaves they had to carry on and blow around to make it look like Illinois in the fall. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's Pasadena. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of this, this $300,000 budget, how much of it had to go to budget pumpkins and leaves? Right. <laughs> Got them shipped in special from Maine. 
<laughs> get this lobster out of here. Um, okay. <laughs> so I'm imagining them accidentally picking up a lobster with all the leaves. Sorry. I got a lobster in my bag of leaves. You got, you leaves. got leaves in my bag of lobster. Yeah. There we go. Good job, Katie. Um, no. All right. Uh, so here's my other question. Uh, this was wild to me. Lori just was talking to Andy on the phone and she was like, so is Lindsay staying over? Like, what time do I need to put her to bed? And I was like, that's insane to me. If I left my children here with a sitter and, <laughs> and the sitter like sent them to someone else's house and then I came home and my not only was my kid not there, my kid was just staying over at someone else's house. What yeah, time were these parents planning on getting back? Right. I was like, so maybe they're not coming back for the whole weekend. Also, I'll tell you what, Annie would not get paid. That's that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, Annie, Lindsay, also, did not come, Lindsay did not come with a toothbrush. She did not come with a, a change of clothes. Well, they're she across the street. Her mom. Came with popcorn, though. That's all it, you need. Popcorn is nature's dude. Annie is the baby. <laughs> Annie is the babysitter you get when the neighbors across the street have already like booked Lori for that Lori. night. <laughs> there you go. Like, Annie is the babysitter you get when you don't care. I feel like, like whatever, they'll be fine. I feel like this is like really showing how Lori's a pushover because I don't think Annie even mentioned that, and like Lori just kind of offered. Yeah, I don't know. Lori's like, I wish people wouldn't think that I was so good all the time. Anyway, can I polish your shoes for you as well? <laughs> I forgot my history book. And I do love the fact, I do love the the extremely subtle character building of, I forgot my chemistry book. So I forget all my books. Sometimes I never read. And I really so we love how it. that line we goes on it. too long. Yes. Because it's like somebody told her to keep talking about books because she's like, books, books, books. Like <laughs> chemistry book yeah. or my she math. Sounds, or my she sounds like she's book. on speed. Because that's like something that somebody like I don't know about books. What are you talking about? Books? I don't know. Driving by slowly. Books, books, books. Yeah, yeah. And then they say speed kills. And I'm like, maybe she is on speed. Maybe this is this is I'm gonna dig deeper here. Um, is this about drugs? All right. I um, think my last, my last two questions. Uh, one of my last questions was Bob and Linda in an alternate universe. Do they have three kids in a hamburger restaurant? Um, <laughs> he has a car dealership. I'm going to, I'm putting my steak. Used in cars. Used I was cars. just making a Bob's burgers joke. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, character wise. No, Bob is, Bob is way better than the Bob in this movie. I don't want to disparage Bob. I know. Yeah. I Bob. That could definitely be Linda though. <laughs> Right. I could be Linda as a teenager. Yeah. Bucks, bucks, bucks. I'm always forgetting my bucks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then uh, I asked the question, who is James Ensor, who is a Belgian painter that is hanging over um, Lori's uh, dresser? I have the answer to that question. And what I said wow. was, does he, did he sing Canned Heat? Because I guess I thought he looked like Jamiroquai. But uh, I found the answer is creepy Belgian painter. Um, yeah. Emily, I thought that maybe you might want to tell me some more about James Ensor. Um, I mean, he's a creepy Belgian painter that draws a lot of creepy people in clown masks, and I'm sure that he is a uh, <laughs> yeah. he likes masks. Yeah, a lot of masks. So he hates freedom. That's what I'm learning. These are terrifying. <laughs> oh, did you look them up? Yeah, yeah that's what I was doing during the movie last night. I was like, why does she have a painting of a guy? They clearly like came from an art exhibit because it has the like border below it that says the guy's name and both. Because she's smart. 
much. That's the point. I have a Georgia O'Keeffe that she carries so many books and she has a thing over her bed and she's smart and she doesn't go to the school dance. Obviously, Lori likes creepy masks. And, um, you know, if you have a Georgia O'Keeffe hanging over your bed, that's what Annie has over her bed. Okay, so did anybody else get like queer vibes from Lori in terms of like you don't like boys? I'm like, yeah, there's probably a reason for that, y'all. I mean, she does bristle at the mention of Ben Tramer. Yeah, ben in terms Tramer. of queer content, Lori definitely feels like she's got to figure out compat, and again, mostly just based off her amazing flannel. Uh, I'm declaring Annie bye. <laughs> I was thinking Ace, too. There could be a very, like, beyond... Yeah. Like, I especially because Ace. at that point, like, you know, that concept was so far beyond, um, like, at least the suburbs. And But I could totally see... I could totally see her being like, yeah, you just don't like going out with boys and stuff. Like, why are you so shy? And it's like, maybe she just doesn't want to. Maybe yeah. she likes Maybe because all the boys are interested in having sex right now, and that is not something she's currently interested in. Yeah, I do find um, it funny that, that the boy that she likes never shows up because I think he, from what I know, he becomes an, a character in like a later movie. So I was like, yeah, yeah. It, gets it gets blown to smithereens in number two. Interesting. Because I, I ran by a car. And <gasps> I recognize a name from like other people talking about the franchise. And I, and so when the name popped up, I was like, oh, he's probably going to show up. And he doesn't even have a voice. Like, unlike the <laughs> one boyfriend of Annie's who at least got like some lines over the phone, like, there's no sense of him as a character. <laughs> he's on and an I, off screen telephone out yeah. of scene. Uh, the only other question I have on here is why did the bully suck so bad? Well, I don't know. Was, Whoever wrote the bullies' lines, they were like, "Yeah, the boogeyman, yeah, the boogeyman." I was like, "These not, bullies not great kid actors." These bullies have yeah, never bullied anyone. I, I'm not particularly I found talented children. Really funny in this that movie. Lumis found a little bit of joy in scaring them. At least that was what that was how I got it. Where he, Which was so weird. It was so random. <laughs> hey, like, what the the I stopped them from being yeah. near the murderer house. Which again, question, Loomis, is this the way you were talking to like Lil Michael, like? <laughs> worst doctor I, I spent, okay I, I spent i spent some years trying to like treat him but then after that i'm like fuck it just keep him drugged up forever it's like okay. so dr loomis is, is got i mean yeah he was broken by this i don't know where he got a lot of these ideas maybe from the breaking but he's like okay this kid hasn't talked in 15 years he's got a dead stare but i know him better than anyone <laughs> like did he draw? Like, what, I mean, like, I'm just really curious as to what the process was between Dr. Loomis and and um, Mike Myers, Michael what did they Myers. Do for those eight years after he gave up yeah. treating him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I definitely understand like the thematic elements of of Mike Michael Myers is pure evil. Like, I get it. But yeah, as in terms of like a scientist basically going like, I have detected you know, 900 levels, he's at level 9,000 evil, and <laughs> and his hair is about to glow, and he's not so super saying evil. psychology journals has Loomis been rejected by? All of them. All of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, I assume I, that he is, like, all joking aside, like, the, was good at what he did, and that's why it's so fracturous to him, because in the end of the movie, he is correct. 
that's like the big thing. Yeah. It's not that it's not it. There's no mystery left. He shot him six times. The guy got back up. Yeah. Like, he was right the whole time. It's because he knows what he's talking about that it broke him. And that ain't nothing but. <laughs> I mean, that's a 15 years of bath salts. I don't know if you would survive that. Like, that's, just, that's just good old fashioned PCP strength. <laughs> I will say that yeah. the doctor does point out a lot of inconsistencies. Like, how the fuck did Michael Myers learn how to drive? I love that. <laughs> like he said, maybe how did he learn how to drive? And then that's the next thing Loomis says. I, I had that in my notes. I'm like, I my, like Loomis. What part of your therapy was teaching him to drive? So do you think like, somebody that, like all of the, the new people? So you think somebody wrote the script? Ah, he jumps to the car and he drives away, and then somebody else said, "How did he learn how to drive?" And he's like, "Ah, we'll write it in." Well, yeah, that's exactly. We'll write it. We'll It'll write be it. like, <laughs> I don't know how he learned how to drive. He's doing it. a good job, is he? <laughs> he does. He can do whatever he has to do to kill people. I Guys, know, do you think Michael Myers used his turn signals? I really no. loved how much he's evil. He doesn't use turn signals. I loved how much he liked enjoyed playing with people, though. I think he would be the type of person on and then leave it on and then continue driving and then slow down as if he's going to the next stop and then keep going because that's the most that is on the whole time too. Even though like all you have to do is like push that little button. I don't on this 150 mile road trip, do you think he you did don't. it in complete silence or do you think he turned on the radio? And if so, what's he, he wear that to? mask when no one is around? Like, is he just because that that mask? Whatever well, he doesn't have his face. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't have get that Phil Hadfield. Yeah, he doesn't have I the just, mask until he gets to town. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was at that home was, with the mask on Emmanuel. Like when she walked up to the door and dropped the keys off. Do you think right. he said, "Oh, company," and then pulled his mask on? No, I think he was in mm-hmm. that house the whole time, I'm, breathing heavily. Yeah, heavy him. breathing continues. Cool. So, follow up question: Does Mike Myers brush his teeth? Because that sounds no. like an unpleasant experience for one. Just breathe um, your own hot breath for especially after hours and days. Yeah. No, especially after taking all those bath salts or eating uh, a dog like as, a, as an yeah. aside just i think most people know this like bit of trivia but that the mask was uh was a spray painted uh william shatner mask mm-hmm. that they just thought looked i really did not know that i did, yeah, not, I did not, that. not know that that's fantastic yeah so like if you look at it like just imagine it not being white and just being william shatner's like wasn't face. it turn inside this... out too it might have been yeah, yeah i just we use deep fake technology to just make michael have regular william shatner face i was gonna say i want to see captain kirk murder everyone <laughs> you say that and then i would just photoshop like a picture of shatner's face and be like this is what we think it would look like shatner went on conan o'brien one night and tried to tell that story and conan wouldn't believe him so really the michael myers it's me it's my face they painted it white and cut the sideburns off that's me oh stop You can't be everywhere, Bill. Stop. It's so funny because they say like, oh yeah, he stole a Halloween mask. What was that supposed to be then? Like we know that it was that it was fabricated. But and like and even with like the scream mask, which was another thing where it took them apparently a very long time to figure out what they wanted it to look like. It was gonna be like a just a monster mask. But for this, it's like what what thing for Halloween was this mask supposed to like I'm going to guess well, shaved Yeti. I think it was just supposed well, to be like a skin mask. There's, you know? a, there's like, a tradition of like homicidal maniacs shopping in the discount uh, aisle of the Halloween stuff. Because they're blue collar heroes. Also, why, is this Halloween, 
Why does this Halloween store also have working butcher knives? Yeah, oh, okay. it's a general store. Yeah. yeah. There is there is a working butcher a, a knives. I'm just to... saying if I showed up to a spirit Halloween and they had butcher knives, it's like you know, thing. I'd be like, they, hey. have box, they have box cutters in the back. What's up, Halloween? Halloween? I would love a movie where, yeah, where the killer buys a Halloween mask and then grabs the box cutters and like the storage in the back. I want that movie. Oh, that would work. I like the idea of a killer just going to Spirit Halloween. Yeah, that's all the screen movies. That's what they are. Yeah. Like, you all sound like Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> What is the deal with with this? <laughs> I said, "There's everything has a reason." Like you I, know, we you, see the, like the mask. have a lit pumpkin, and when you're getting it on, like it's mood lighting. The and mask limits really his field been... of vision so much. Like the mask limits his field of vision, and then at one point he puts the sheet over that, and then he puts on a pair of prescription glasses that aren't for him. How the fuck did you even make it? You can't see shit. He's just upping the difficulty level. Maybe that's why she's so long to kill her. Where she, because she goes for a long time of like very funny. That's a prank. You're being. I forget where she is. And maybe, maybe it just takes him so long to kill her because he's like, okay, gotta make sure I don't bump into anything. It's not not a prank. I love. Why was he doing the thing where he was like? I'm going to open this door a little bit. Then I'm going to disappear. Then I'm going to open the door a little bit more. Then it, like, what was, he's what just was fucking just with people. Fun? He's fucking with them. Messing with I want a cut of this movie. I'm going to share me. I mean, I, you can also argue that the spirit of evil is beyond his human brain. And it's that that's called, where it's like the evilness in him is going, you know, it'd be really funny. And Michael Myers like, okay. I've been listening to you for 15 years. I might as well keep going. Also, Who knows what goes on inside that where mind? Where was yes. he keeping that headstone? Where was he lugging that from? <laughs> Down uh, under it's his... The same place has that Bugs Bunny has all of his He's got props. one of those dorky kids rolling backpacks. Like, on the wheels <laughs> and the I have one of those. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> he did say those dorky kids. Emily, I feel like you're a really tireless advocate for, like, Halloween pumpkins and bedrooms, and uh, you well, might you've never be, been to Emily's house. You so. might be, but like winning me over. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm thinking about it. Well, you listen. Know? It's first of all, it's it's biodegradable. Yeah. Right. It's seasonal. Yeah. And so, and you know when you it's have rottable. To, yeah, it's rottable. It's rottable. So like, yeah. After you're done, also it has a nice smell to it. Does it? For a, for a very brief period. Yeah. For a very brief period. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like a Yankee this candle, but without. And I guess All there's no bullshit. danger of it catching my house on fire, right? Because like if it falls over, I don't think that's true. The wetness of the pumpkin is just going to put out the candle. I I have yeah, a I like, I, like, I, I do have like, a I tried to tolerate. Unless you end up with a pumpkin? really flammable ass pumpkin. Was the jack o' lantern lit when yeah. like the people weren't home, or did they light it when they entered the room? Because I did not. So know. they carried it upstairs. So they were like, oh. I'm going to carry this in off the porch. I don't, I don't mind that as much because for some reason, again, I only watched it the first time. So I think this was something I missed when you, when y'all were talking about it, I was thinking like that the parents lit it and we're like, okay, we're going to go. It was just there. Yeah. It seems like somebody lit a pumpkin in their room and then dipped. And it did not look like, and it did not look like, you know, like a flickering, you know, battery candle. Yeah. 
It's like I wouldn't light I wouldn't light a candle period and leave, let alone one that's like that is with a yeah, degradable rotable. Like, yeah, rotable. Right. <laughs> but you have to remember these are the parents that left their kid with Annie. So <laughs> they might have left a lit pumpkin in the bedroom. That was intentional. They were like, well, the dog was... down, take care of two problems. Oh, they should have no. just let uh, the dog take care of Lindsay because the dog was really competent. A dog could sense the killer. Ooh, Probably the dog would put like out the me. candle. Also, Where speaking of trends in horror movies that uh, we, we've identified, boy, the only animal in this gets horribly murdered. Two. Yeah. They're both dogs. They both get horribly murdered. One might have been a skunk. Thinking, I was just thinking, ah, Ben's got to be happy right oh, now. This was... <sighs> This was the other thing, actually, that I didn't Not get. When I was confused. Every movie. When they, when they movie say that, dog. when they say that there's, when they show the dead dog and they say maybe it's a skunk, I thought that they meant that the skunk attacked the dog. Yes, I think <laughs> that's what they're aiming at. Yeah. I was so confused. What like, kind of crazy ass skunks do they got in this town? Well, like, it's a little, it's a little dog, a perhaps. It's smaller than a dog, generally. Like, a skunk is not going to like take a bite out of a dog. Skunks in don't. Well, yeah, skunks don't attack. Like so many question marks. I they got a thing the for that. Of the stu- of the skunk was because they were not particularly, you know, fighty. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, like fighty. I'm going with it. When a skunk, no, that's the thing. Skunks do not today. bite. That's <laughs> yeah. all point. You have two glasses of wine and a long work week, and this is the Alicia you get. <laughs> you know, I've, got, fighty I've got seniors right now, and uh, <laughs> they have the senioritis really bad. So, oh, okay. okay. You're talking about high school seniors. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, just a bunch These of old people are you know, waiting to, to be, be done with this. <laughs> These old people. I mean, that's, a, that's a different kind of senioritis. When, yeah. That's when the old kind of people just want to be done with it. That's not the same thing as senioritis. Or is it? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, sorry. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm out of questions. Do you have any more questions or observations about Halloween? Uh, well, I guess we should ask, uh, guys, is Halloween feminist? Okay. It's hard because we're, we would be judging it in relation to every other horror movie slash movie mm-hmm. that was like starring women. That's what we that do. That came after. That's and that show was about. Yeah, yeah, I know. Exactly. But like, <laughs> like it's, I think for the time there definitely is a lot of humanizing of, of the female characters, even the ones that get murdered. I know that not everybody is pro Annie like I am, but there's still like there's still people. In fact, the first thing I thought when when I first saw them was like these are teenagers. So even if they are like kind of assholes, I'm also recognizing that like they're not they're teenagers and still basically children and like and naturally I, occurring I, assholes. Yeah, part of me is okay. like yeah. So like I so part of me is like I still like felt some fondness for them in a way that for some reason I don't feel for like a lot of a lot of other slasher movies even when they involve teens but um but I felt like the female characters in this are more fleshed out than a lot of later slasher movies and so yeah I don't know I I feel like it's leaning towards feminist for me but that's I don't know that's kind of my first thoughts as I'm watching after I watch it for the first time. I think you're meant to identify with these female characters as opposed to so many that would follow where your focus is on how cool the kills could be. What what is the killer going to do in this? Here we're we're focused as we've been saying for the first hour on those three girls basically. 
the gaze is often with Lori or with the other girls. It's occasionally with Michael, but it's not in a like relatable way. Yeah. It makes sense. So it's in more of an, a very unsettling, especially that first ep- or that first uh, scene. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of where you're genuinely seeing the point of view of the female characters more than anyone else. Yeah, it's an interesting decision to make Michael, to actually see through Michael's eyes so much of the film, but make him so monstrous, you know, and the more relatable characters are the ones who you don't really see their point of view. You know, it's not like first person shooter kind of like looking through the mask. Although a lot of that was reserved for when Michael was a child, which makes it even more upsetting, I think, (laughs) especially considering, you know, the scene with, with the sister brushing her hair and stuff like that. Um, although the cameraman was obviously not a child, but um... on the the question of of feminism here, I do like that like Lori is scrappy, like she's not. There's a lot of like final girl type characters that like survive sort of by default. They just somebody else saves them, or you know they just uh, accidentally kill the murderer somehow. Like she takes Michael down a good three times. Like yeah. She, you know, puts that uh, knitting needle in his neck and then she, you know, puts the, like, she works out those wire hangers to stab him in the eye. And then, like, on top of that, she, you know, gets his knife and stabs him with his own knife. Like, she is so accurate with that clothes hanger. Yeah. You get some wire wire mask eye holes. Like, honestly, that's a good mask to protect yourself from, like, clothes hangers. But she gets right, gets them right in the eye. And I felt like all of her survival tactics feel felt, I don't know if realistic, but it just, it didn't feel like it was being forced by the writer. Like I could see a, a girl like immediately go to some of these things or like any, any young person go to like some of these survival tactics. She's not perfect with it. She definitely gets hurt, but but her injuries also it doesn't feel like i don't know like even with action movies not just horror movies but when like they get stabbed in the shoulder or they get shot in the shoulder and they can still lift the shoulder to shoot and you're like you can't lift the ligaments are gonna be all fucked up you're not gonna be able to do that and i feel like they did a pretty good job of banging her up enough that it that the danger was really present but also giving her like she still is aware with all to do all the things she did in a way that doesn't that didn't take me out of the movie. Yeah. I think it um it's interesting, especially with the at the end where, you know, she's she stabs, she um almost takes him down a bunch of times, but then um at first I'm like, okay, well the guy's gonna show up and the man's gonna show up with a gun and shoot him. But then that's not effective either. So it does actually bring Lori back up onto a very heroic level. You know, she's not, she's not necessarily saved by Dr. Loomis because it's not, she wasn't savable in that capacity. The fact that, that Michael Myers was not killed by all of that gun. Um, mm-hmm. you know, also again, brings Lori back around, which I think, um, sets the movie in for the time, relatively feminist territory um you know and i appreciate that about it um and and you know of course now we've made leaps and bounds in places um and uh thank you brad for that for some of that Mm. (laughs) um but uh um yeah at the time it was uh having having lori be a final girl that fought back and drew blood um and downed the killer um, cause I don't think in psycho, I don't think she, she 
did she draw blood on him? I can't no. remember. No, no, she just dies. No. Yeah, she doesn't do. She doesn't okay. do anything but die and scream. Yeah. Uh, so. Ben, you had something. Yes. Well, just what are the odds that it's a Pulp Fiction like situation? And Loomis didn't even hit Michael like once with that gun, and he's just like, "I'm just gonna fall out the window now to fuck with these people." Or just like the gun was full of blanks because no one trusted Loomis with an actual gun, so they're like, "Yeah, here's a gun." Yeah. And, and they, oh, sorry, I, I, I really wish that. Um, and this, this might be a controversial take. I really wish that Michael Myers was just a guy and not a guy who can get up after being stabbed multiple times. And I don't know, like well, part the of me has no purpose. And then we wouldn't have the Undertaker. Like the movie would have no, like what it's actually trying to do, regardless of his success level for the individual. It, it, it would, it's, the, it's driving to that point. It's a left as a mystery. Is he injured? Is he not? Is he just running on adrenaline? Can he lift that thing? Can he use the station wagon? Uh, You'll never know when he'll be just back around the corner. Yeah. But, and, but when he gets shot story, and falls right? off a thing and then is gone and, and it breaks everybody even further and leaves everybody unsettled as the credits play, it's like that's the that's what the movie is doing. Mm-hmm. Like that's and, its only interest. Again, they already made Black Christmas. Um, yeah, Psycho. I still like the idea. And again, this is someone coming into fairly new, even though I know all the tropes and stuff. But I, I would love, I would have loved for it to just be a guy, like a guy maybe who has, who is running on ad- adrenaline, but who doesn't necessarily have like super power strength. Because for me. It's more interesting for someone to be pure evil, but still be human. But at the same time, like I get, I get what you're saying about the themes of the movie. Yeah. And if um, the more you drag it under the microscope of actual reality, which makes him just somebody who wants to ejaculate, the more the movie elements would stand out as being I, more ridiculous. I don't necessarily even mean that like that would have to be his motivation for it to be realistic. He could just Sure, be but that is the motivation for the type of people who do that. Like the more reality the this thing wasn't meant to sustain that level of reality. I mean, and like which is why like peeping Tom and Psycho and things like that are also trying to gesture toward toward that kind of stuff. And I mean like if you like like just a, him to be a guy for reasons of relatability that's i mean obviously oh, no i'm not saying relatability i'm just saying that it i think that there's a sense that evil has to be over the top supernatural and i i don't know i i would have maybe appreciated maybe that's not for this movie in particular but i think it's it's just maybe a little more interesting if pure evil is still a very human concept i guess so I don't know. Again, that's not a necessary even like a, a objective criticism of the movie. That's just kind of how I'm feeling in the moment right now. Yeah, it's a, a preference thing. And I, get, and I think that that was the movies that are antecedent to that are, are that. And I, I think it almost accidentally did this thing. And again, I, I think that's where its efficacy comes from when it came out mm-hmm. is because it couldn't be pegged on anything or a pathology. Well, it's interesting because you think about the true crime fascination that goes on right now and a lot of people when they're discussing true crime they try to go back into the 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 origins of these killers and the you know and the situations that they're in and i feel like that's now kind of tired you know we're 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 getting more true crime kind of stuff that's about the victims and it's more about what the victims have have dealt with and the kind of cultural climate that these victims were in and things like that 
but the one of the reasons that people are so fascinated by true crime is just the unknowability of these human monsters um and and pulling back the veil you know is is a good thing i think i think pulling back the veil when you're talking about true crime but i think it is it's it's important to also really examine the perception of this killer of you know the idea of the killer and how completely unexpected it is especially for a a suburban neighborhood in any time where everybody either knows each other or it feels like they have a sense of community or they just they feel like they know how things work and then suddenly something comes out of nowhere that they just completely can't wrap their mind around i think that this movie is very minimal and how it it depicts that you know and i also think it it does work to its advantage that it doesn't um for what it is but I really sympathize with that need to like know more about the killer because, you know, I don't want that. I also growing up in the 90s, <laughs> there was a lot of films that were like, oh, the killer is, you know, it's all about these killers and, you know, romanticizing the killers. Yeah, and- when, when in reality, they're not really all that mysterious. No. And I think that this this uh, movie it is actually about that stuff, too, but it's a folkloric analog for it. yeah. and it's it's a town story that everyone can tell the haunted house on the street where something bad happened yeah Yeah. i I will also say something that that i've realized as we were talking is that laurie hence the movie not realizing that's michael myers like as far as she knows she doesn't even mention when she goes to the house that like oh yeah someone died here she just knows it's a spooky house and so when she is attacked by this guy we know because we've heard luma say it again and again who this is, what he did. We saw what he did. Lori doesn't know that. Like, not really for sure. She's probably told right after by Loomis who who just attacked her and who killed her friends. But I do yeah, think there's something interesting in the fact that, like, as far as she knows, it really is the boogeyman. Yeah, like, yeah I mean, she has. Exactly. Michael, which I, thought, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, her function in the story, regardless of, like, the literal thing she does, is to be, is to be the thing that drives... Li- Loomis's thesis home. She's just there to bear witness. It's it's his like we it's weirdly his movie, even though she's the hero. Yeah. Awesome. Uh well, I think we've touched on pretty much everything we were going to on here. Usually we have a question about race, but there are no non-white people in this movie. So <laughs> I mean yeah. I do feel like it also means they all certain... live though. <laughs> That's true. No black people die in this movie. I feel like there yeah. is always a little bit of a racial undercurrent anytime you're talking uh suburban set horror yes, just because yeah. suburbs are just so fucking racist in nature mm-hmm. and i don't know even, the bright side, I mean, this is not something coming in from outside this is something that was born of the suburbs coming yeah. back so. yeah that's true yeah it, yep. i think it also says something that that a, a creepy white guy anonymous white guy in a mask can just walk around a neighborhood full of kids and no one says anything. Like, obviously other people saw him or like, yeah. So I think that there is something to be said about the fact that that he, he like, no one suspects him. Whereas, you know, arguably if he was any other, any other color, <laughs> the police would have taken it much more seriously. Yeah, I think so. I was going to say, and so what was your next, what's next on your list of. Oh, I, I think we've, uh, we've gone through all of our, our markers here. We talked about 
the lack of queer characters and the possibly queer characters in this movie. Um, we've grasped that we've grasped at our straws as yes. as preventing a lot of the discussion of queer character content in these in a lot of the movies we cover. Yeah, everything surrounding mental illness in this movie is pretty awful. Uh, it sure just is. Or <laughs> specifically, intentionally awful. They 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 want uh, this mentally ill person to be evil. That's the whole point. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. So real quick though, he's not mentally ill. That's sort of the thrust of it. He's not. He is evil. Like yeah. Loomis is like, no, 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 no. He's not. He's not. But that suffering does seem to be Loomis's official diagnosis. Is he diagnoses <laughs> him with medical evil? Yeah. Well, again, which which ruined his career, makes him look like a crackpot, and you know, and and the guy is mystical. He yeah. mystically I, functions. It would have it would have been nice if the movie was a bit clearer about that, you yeah. know, especially with the like. I hope someone gathered up all those other patients. Yeah, like, I was the rain. I was <laughs> going to say even if even if Michael Myers was never meant to be to have a mental illness, the the very silent um, people with mental illness in this are basically like zombies, just kind of in the background for one scene. So maybe it's still not great the way it portrays it even if it's even if the villain isn't supposed to be that yeah yeah i mean i think michael myers was in the uh that particular facility because they had nowhere else to put him there's no there's no arkham asylum you mean <laughs> yeah it, yeah um but you know it's it's still it is a very of the time when talking about at least the the institution of um mental health and and uh mental med or medicine and that yeah now uh before we wrap up does uh does everybody have one recommendation they would like people to check out if they enjoyed uh halloween i'm gonna say uh it's a different kind of slasher movie and we'll be talking about it but uh nightmare on elm street is a good time okay. um killer with no motive the strangers always comes to mind where it's just this is dreadful and you don't know why they're doing it and it's fun it's a good one yeah agreed good call um i'm gonna say the cloverfield sequel whose name i always forget the one that's paradox ten yeah. cloverfield lane or ten Clover, no, cloverfield lane Same. because i think that <laughs> one of those makes more sense of, than others <laughs> there's a lot of lori in there um or at least like there are a lot of aspects of like the idea of the final girl and everything um but done in like in an interesting way kind of complex complicating it uh by the way while we're talking about queer shit though um uh jamie lee curtis also said trans rights and i think we need to acknowledge that so hell yeah jamie lee curtis oh, yeah. well yeah hell yeah, yeah. jamie lee curtis is yeah. a boss her, well her her kid came out and she, and she just talked about about how she figured out that shit and she said trans rights so yep well i knew jlc was boss but i didn't know that particular facet of her bossness i think yeah that is a yep. discuss, or emily did you have a recommendation i'm gonna go with freaky a much more recent film but plays upon the uh concept of uh halloween but with a little bit more of a comedic angle speaking of J jamie lee it is a sort of a combination of this film and freaky friday uh where the main final girl character becomes the slasher. They do like a body switcheroo um, and hijinks ensue. And it's fun. the, it's um, the guy from Psycho 2 who plays 
I know he's in so many other things. I just you mean remember. Vince Vaughn? Vince, Vince Vaughn. Vaughn plays Vince the Vaughn. Slash Vince the Vaughn is a teenage girl in Freaky. That is yeah. less a psycho. That's less a sequel to Psycho as much as it is a shot-for-shot remake. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We did an episode on that one too, so check that out if uh, if you watch the movie. We can you can hear us talk about it. Yeah, uh, Bob, did you have a recommendation? Sure. Uh, if we're going all the way back, and I'll go way way back, there's actually a precedent for the mask that, that they end up using here. There's a French film called Eyes Without a Face. Ah, oh, yes. It's an amazing film by Georges Franju. It's, uh, it's a mad scientist movie. And the mad scientist in question is trying to restore his daughter's face by going out on the street and kidnapping other women and basically taking their faces off to put on his daughter. And she wears this white featureless mask for the entire movie that is both chilling and beautiful at the same time. Yes. That sounds extremely French, so. Oh, it is very French. It <laughs> yeah, is very great French. Movie. Great movie. Yeah, Brad, you seconded uh, that in Strangers. Did you have one you wanted to add? Or? Yeah, I got two real quick ones. I'd say 1971's Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Love that uh, movie. It's it's antecedent to Halloween in that it captures a sort of like really uh, almost like Peter Weir panic at, or a picnic at Hanging Rock sort of like hangout vibe amongst young people. And uh, it, it sort of has a feeling like Halloween, even though it's not really in the slasher thing fully. And the other one I'd say is Peeping Tom, which is a straight up masterpiece, like a, a, a has a lot of point of view shots of which somebody with a, path, a very much a pathology, first person uh, uh, kills people. But the, what makes it really interesting is, is it's a really smart metatextual film about voyeurism and what we get out of movies. It's, it was like, it was really ahead of its time. and. Uh, uh, Unfortunately, the director of it, uh, it, it didn't do well for his career and it wasn't, it didn't get its day in the sun till many decades later. So let's scare Jessica to death and Peeping Tom would be my, my recommend. Awesome. Okay. Did you have one, Alicia? Yes. Um, Wes Craven's 2005 film uh, Red Eye is one of my favorite mm. scrappy heroine keeps fighting the really unstoppable creepy, killer. <laughs> the unstoppable, <laughs> unrottable killer. Um, and so, yeah, if you're looking for more of that, um, Red Eye. And uh, one I'm... other one out, I believe you talked about it already on the show, Ready or Not. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And uh, keeping with the uh, movie, Ready or Not, keeping with uh, the theme of old French films, uh, I wanted to add, uh, Alicia and I just watched uh, Diabolique, which oh, uh, rules so good. Yeah, which is a movie that, like, I. I don't want to tell anybody anything about because the movie literally says not to, but like it just has such a long creeping tension to it that like, even though it's like, it's an old black and white French film that's been around for a very long time. It got me. I didn't know what was going to happen at the end of this movie. Killer ending, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a great ending. Uh, I did not know, did not know where that was going. And uh <laughs> late one night we were watching and alicia fell asleep and i had to explain all of it to her afterwards yeah you um, said we were watching you said I mean, we you, were watching you watched the first half hour so. show, and i was like were we <laughs> <laughs> or were you watching and i was <laughs> all right uh well I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and uh wrap us up there i have everybody's information so if people want to check everybody out online it'll be in the show notes um everybody here is awesome and uh, you should check out all of their stuff 
And for now, we'll call that a wrap on our first episode of Scary Movie Month. So everybody, until next time, stay horrified. Progressively Horrified is created and produced by Jeremy Whitley. This episode featured Jeremy Whitley, Ben Kahn, Emily Martin, Alicia Whitley, Ali Mullen, Katie Schenkel, Bob Ryer, Emmanuel Lipscomb, and Brad Michael Elmore. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and not intended to represent the intent or opinion of the filmmakers, nor do they represent any of the employers or institutions or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and was provided royalty-free from Pixabay. Support us on Patreon or contact us on Twitter at Pod or by email at progressivelyhorrified at gmail.com.